Welcome to Game Changers Live from Miami, Florida. My name is Sergio Tijera. I'm your host. And each and every week, we bring you someone who has been a game changer in their field and who's touched the lives of thousands to get their perspective on their journey, their mindset, their struggles and successes so that we can inspire you on your journey. So let's get started right now. Welcome to Game Changers Live. You can catch us each and every week on your favorite podcast channel, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, YouTube, you name it. You can find us here with some very inspirational people. And beginning April 1st, we're also going to be broadcast on Island TV here in South Florida on Comcast, as well as 13 countries in the Caribbean. And Game Changers is now a top 2% ranked podcast globally. So thank you so much for your support. We have on today a local hero, and his name is Danny Rodriguez. So Danny is the co-founder and president of Blue Missions. It's a nonprofit that connects rural communities to clean water and sanitation while inspiring a generation of global citizens through service-driven travel. After traveling to the Dominican Republic to work on a water project as a 16-year-old student at Christopher Columbus High School, Danny felt the calling to do more to address the global water crisis. During his time at Florida International University, where he obtained a BBA specializing in finance and international business, he co-founded Blue Missions in 2010, which has provided clean water and sanitation to over 30,000 people across 130 rural communities throughout Latin America. Over 2,500 high school and college students have traveled with Blue Missions to assist in the construction of these projects, opening their eyes to great needs that exist on our planet and helping them realize the power they have to change the world. Since its inception, Blue Missions has raised over $6 million to advance their mission of ending the global water and sanitation crisis in our lifetime. So welcome, Danny, to the show, my brother. It's a pleasure to be here. Hey, man, it's quite the resume. And and one, one thing that we were just talking about earlier is that a lot of people don't ever really find their purpose in life. A lot of us tend to do the things we're supposed to do, go to college, get a good job, et cetera, et cetera. Before you know it, we're 50 years old and sometimes we feel lost. You were one of the fortunate ones that you were able to tap in and identify that purpose for you at a very young age. So tell me, tell me a little bit about that, what it was like growing up, and then how did you get to that point where the light bulb went off? Yeah, so, you know, just from the intro, you know, I see all the synergies that we have, and you read our mission statement as an organization. Um, and I always tell people that my personal mission is to connect people to purpose. Um, you know, for me, it was at the age of 16, I had this kind of epiphany moment where I'm in the mountains. Um, you know, I didn't want to be there. I was forced to be there. Uh, in the mountains I, where? I was in the Dominican Republic uh, participating on a mission trip with LIFO missions. Um, I had a service hour requirement in high school, like many students do. And this was a way to knock, knock them all out, you know, in one kind of 10 day trip. Uh, so that was really my mindset. You know, I didn't go for the right reasons, but once I was there, you know, and I see the locals walking to collect water with buckets and showering in the river and doing their laundry in the river, you know, that the problem became real. It wasn't a statistic and, and it just shocked me. You know, I was just like, I can't believe that I'm 16 years old. And this is the first I'm learning about the people who are living without clean water and realizing how many people deal with that at such a young age. So the experience was very fulfilling, loved it so much. I went back a couple more years. And after those three trips with Life Omissions is when I felt a calling to do more and create Blue Missions. So you were there to knock out some, you know, some hours, right? And 
and like you said, you were shocked. At times, it takes an experience like that to really put things in perspective because I think we live in a bubble in our own world, so to speak, right? And until you actually see some of these, you know, some of these uh, locations where where their world is so different than ours, we there's so many things that we take for granted, right? I mean, what what, what was that experience like when you saw them? Yeah, it's it's like I said, the, the reading something in a textbook or hearing about it in the classroom. Uh, yes, it's important to do that education, but there's nothing quite like immersing yourself into the situation and you also are taking bucket showers and you're brushing your teeth with a canteen in the mornings and you know you have to walk to collect your water for your group and and the things that you need uh so being in that moment you know it really all clicked um and you know i said that was the introduction to me uh there's various inflection points or key <laughs> moments like you were mentioning in the intro in in one's life where you know it can really leave a mark and, and kind of dictate the direction you're going to go in uh, that was definitely one of them for me, but by no means was I, you know, that I find my purpose at 16, you know, kind of continuing to explore on that, on that interest that I had and that intrigue that was in me at that moment led me to find that purpose. But that was just the beginning. And it takes a lot, a few more inflection points along the way to really, really uh, hone in on that purpose and realize that, you know, maybe this is what you were put on earth to do. So you went, you know, you went a, a few times, right? through there and then at this point you were still in in high school correct and even into my freshman year of, of college um this is a grassroots organization life omissions um the the founder has his own business his family he has you know a lot on his plate but he's shown a commitment for over 35 years now to take one group of volunteers to one community and help them solve the water crisis um, and he didn't have the range to grow that and when I started recruiting a lot of friends and family to join on his trips. He said, hey, let's slow down. You know, I need space for other volunteers that want to come as well. Why don't you create a group and we can help two towns every year instead of one? And that's kind of the birth. Uh. You know, it wasn't competitive. Uh, he is sits on our board today. His name's Albert Perez um, and he's uh, Christopher Columbus High School graduate as well. Class of 84. And he's one of my greatest mentors in my life, you know, showing me. Uh, the hard work that it takes and the passion that it takes uh, to build something like this. So when did you find, when did you uh, co-found Blue Missions? Was it, it was during the college days? Yeah, I was 19 years old. I was freshman, sophomore at FIU uh, studying finance and it was just a way to keep going. At the time, I didn't have the this grandiose idea to uh, build an organization that was going to impact so many communities and so many volunteers. Uh, the thought process was, how can I keep living this experience that means so much to me? And how can I share it with the people that I care most about? Um, so it gave us that vehicle for each summer to be able to take a group of friends uh, to work on a clean water project. So then you, you graduate and you're building this out. At, at the point that you graduate, yeah. were you starting a new job somewhere and doing this on the side or did you go all in yeah so that that was i'd say one of the biggest inflection points in my life and it was uh december of 2011 um i had a that's when i graduated from fiu uh leading up to graduation i had decided that i was gonna take some time and move to the dominican republic um, i applied for an internship with the Institute of Latin American Concern, uh, which is a Jesuit group down in Santiago, Dominican Republic. 
to basically be their liaison between uh, groups, uh, churches, schools in the United States and communities in need in the mountainside of the Dominican Republic. Uh, so facilitating logistics, serving as a translator, uh, being in the field with these groups when they would fly in and, and come to on their mission trips. And it gave me a chance to see all sides of the country. It gave me a chance to see uh, numerous issues, not just clean water, you know, people dealing with sanitation issues, people that get locked into their communities when it rains because they don't have any access to leave their community and they need a bridge, uh, people without health facilities. You know, I got to see all these different needs, um, you know, that are systemic issues uh, that they've dealt with for generations. And it really just opened my eyes to the impact uh, that one can have and the need that exists uh, in all over the world, really. Water like air is not important until you don't have any. <laughs> and just shut shut the main water valve off in your house for a day and you'll be going crazy. Just think, you know, just the little things that you you take for granted. Definitely. Is it how how much of a logistical, you know, obstacle is it to then provide clean water in, in these rural, you know, very remote areas. Where does the water come from? Is it tapped into through wells? How, how do you go about that? Yeah, so that's the amazing thing about these projects. You know, yes, there are logistics and hurdles to, to overcome, but the actual solution to bring clean water to a community is very simple. And it's one of the most ancient solutions uh, since the Romans developed it uh, way back when. Uh, we work with... <laughs> yes, yeah, downhill. We work with gravity-fed aqueducts. So what we do is we locate a freshwater source at a higher altitude than where the homes are in the community. Uh, we test that water for both, uh, you know, sanitary reasons, but also to see if it has enough. If the spring is providing enough water for the amount of people living in the community, um, if it passes all those tests, uh, the, the engineering of the project uh, is we build a dam at that source, pipe it down with PVC pipe through the mountainside, you know, buried in trenches. Uh, and it goes down to a reservoir tank that's located somewhere in between the, the homes and the source. That tank is also built by the community and our volunteers. That's where it gets treatment if necessary. And then from that tank, it flows with gravity down the main roads of the community and a faucet gets installed in every single home in that community. Wow. That I mean, that must be so gratifying and so you know satisfying to see doing that kind of work where you know you're impacting people for the rest of their of their lives. It's not just a day that you visit and you know you make them feel better. You're providing something that's going to be a game changer in their life going forward. What does it What does it cost, and how much time does it take to do a typical project like that? Yeah, this is where it actually gets really crazy uh, because our average cost to get someone access to clean water is just around $25 per person to connect them to clean water. So imagine wow. that, that I can, you know, that, that we can make an impact. And that's not per month. That's $25 period. That's $25 period. Obviously, there's maintenance that goes into sure. the system. And, you know, I'll talk a little bit about how we establish water committees and develop leaders within these communities who own and maintain the systems. Um, mm -hmm. you know, we are going to communities to work alongside locals. They are the leaders of this project. And that's why the lead up uh, to the project, you know, the eight to 12 months before the project, you know, before one pipe is laid is so critical. You know, because we're sending in our team of, of local employees to these communities to form these water committees. Um, we help them establish bank accounts. We teach them 
how you deal with a situation when a family doesn't want to pay their water bill. We teach them how to, you know, actually do the engineering and wow. the maintaining of the systems. Um, so these become the leaders of the community who, once the water arrives, now this is a great team that can bring new projects to the community and they realize the power that they have to impact their own lives uh, through social capital, human capital, um, and just working as a team. So they're essentially, you know, starting a water company because Correct. they have to manage, you know, not only the, the, the product, which is the water, but then the payments that are made, you know, the billing, so to speak, the monitoring of how much water is used by each household and so forth. Correct. And, and again, it's very, we're talking at a, at a very rural level. We're talking about communities from anywhere between on right. average 50 to 100 families live in these remote areas uh, because we like to go where if we don't go, no one else will. Um, right. You know, uh, as they say, there's not enough votes in these towns that we're going to uh, to bring the, the political resources necessary to, to execute uh, projects of this magnitude. So, um, you know, we, we definitely, you know, have realized that the people in these communities are very smart. Um, they have the potential to accomplish great things but they've never been given the tools or been told that you can do mm. them. And, and that type of support and, and watching them go from, there's no solution to this problem that we've been dealing with for centuries uh, to, oh my God, we have clean water and seeing that water shoot out for the first time through that pipe. And maybe there was a lot of people in the community who doubted it because they've been promised in the past, or they said, how is a group of you know, 25, 30 gringos I'm going to come in for eight days and by the, you know, we're going to start that week without clean water and we're going to end that week dancing under a pipe right. and shooting out <laughs> clean water. And uh, for a lot of people, it's hard to trust and it's fair. It's a fair uh, doubt that they yeah. have. Um, and we go in there and we work alongside them just as <clears> we swing picks and shovels. We tell them our volunteers, they work with a notebook and a pen and a laptop back at home. They've never swung a pick or a shovel or mixed mm -hmm. Um, you guys will have to be the leaders and part of that training and logistics leading up to the trip is organizing work groups every, you know, the families are split up in the community and they have to send representation every day to the job site. Um, you know, so, so there's an accountability, uh, that the locals al allow us to hold the community to, um, because they understand the need. It's a learning opportunity all around, right? For, for the volunteers as well as the, the locals, education then becomes a very big part of this as yeah. well. So we think, okay, providing clean water, you think, okay, a pump <clears throat> and some pipe. No, it's a lot more than that, right? Because the, the maintenance, the, the infrastructure, like you said, I think the educational part is so much bigger and more important to sustain it. Correct? Yeah, that's, that's a hundred percent the case. And we like to fill our water committees with women. You know, the, the women and the children are the ones who bear the responsibility of fetching, collecting water. Sometimes, you know, it's, wow. uh, it's not too far. Sometimes it might just be a half kilometer down the road. Other times it could be five to 10 kilometers away where you, where you have to go to get clean water. Um, sometimes you can't go as far to get clean water and you have to deal with a river that's nearby that animals cross and, it could be contaminated water. So there's different levels to the impact of the water crisis. It could be a financial burden. Uh, if your community is one that is purchasing water from a truck that drives by every few days, you might be spending half your income on water. Uh, so, so the water crisis affects people in so many different ways. But the biggest way we see is that it allows children to go to school um, instead of 
you know, doing one of their chores, which is going to collect the water. Um, and the women who would spend four to eight hours a day, you know, focused on this water issue now can have that time to do whatever they want. Um, so we work a lot with the women and children on how to, you know, put that time to good use now that you don't have to go collect that water. Wow. And so you've been working at this for, for over a decade and your work has been primarily in the Dominican Republic, right? Correct. Or have you gone elsewhere? Yeah. We have worked in Colombia. We did a project uh, out in La Guajira um, in the native area of the Wayu people. And uh, it was an incredible experience. We also did a few projects in Nicaragua through partners. Um, but our volunteer programs are all based in the Dominican Republic. So what does Blue Missions look like now? I mean, there, there's from your site, I can see there's, you know, 785 million people around the world like lack access to clean water. 2.4 billion lack access to proper sanitation. Can't do it all yourself, right? But you guys have been making a major dent, at, at least in one country so far. What does the organization look like now? How have you grown it? And what's the future? What is, you know, five, 10 years down the road? What do you see it looking like? Yeah, so I like to say that we are creating opportunity, right? We are, we are providing people with the opportunity to find that purpose, right? Whether you're a child in one of these towns benefiting from a water project who can now realize whatever dream you have or whatever passion, the thing you want to study, you can bring that to life now, right? And on the other side, the volunteer, you know, yes, clean water is what captivated myself and our core team. And, and there's so many people who have jumped on board. Uh, to fight this crisis, uh, but it's different for everyone. Everyone has a role in that ecosystem of giving. And it's, you have to make a conscious decision to seek out that role, to try different things, uh, to see where your your energy, you know, where you feel most alive. And then once you find that, that, world, that greatest need, you know, something that the world needs, uh, you look for ways to combine it with your personal passions, whether you're a graphic designer and you do pro bono work for nonprofits, or whether you're a CEO who, who creates a corporate social responsibility program and, you know, creates pillars of, of programs and causes that they want to support. Um, or if you're a missionary that moves to Africa and dedicates your life to service, you know, everyone has a role. We have to seek that role out. And that is where we'll find purpose at that intersection of the world's greatest need and, and our biggest passions. That's incredibly powerful. What you mentioned there in terms of aligning your personal purpose and passion with what you do, because that way, you know, I'm sure that you don't feel like you're working every day, right? Because it's just part of your your baby, your project. You know that your impact that you're making, that you're in love with. And when you're in love with your passion and, and your purpose, you don't have trouble waking up every day. Monday, you're not, you know, you're looking forward to Monday, right? Yeah, that's that's a hundred percent right. And when you find that, you you never want to let it go, you know. And I know I'm very blessed to have found it at a young age. Um, it's given me the freedom and, and opportunity to pursue other things that I love as well. Um, so being able to combine that, you know, back in 2014, you know, we were just doing one project every year. Um, I had to go out and get a job in the re in the quote unquote real world uh, to pay bills uh, because I was doing all this pro bono for free for Blue Missions uh, mm -hmm. just out of the passion that I have for the cause. Um, but that lasted, you know, two and a half years. You know, thankfully, my my employer was very flexible, allowed me to continue to grow Blue Missions. Um, and there was a huge demand. You know, we couldn't fundraise fast enough uh, for the amount of people that wanted to actually travel and, and live that experience. Um, 
until one day, you know, we, we grew big enough where I was able to leave that job. I offered two of my best friends, uh, both that I've known since I was five years old, uh, the opportunity to come work at Blue Missions. And the three of us got to work out of the third bedroom of my house. <laughs> That's awesome. That's inspirational. For those people who have not found their passion or purpose, what do you suggest? Because, you know, for me, when when I started doing what I'm doing now, which is coaching and so forth, prior to that, I knew that the the corporate America job I had I had had for many years and so forth that served me greatly, and I learned incredible thing you know things from it had had kind of run its course. And I was thinking back, okay, how can I align myself with what I'm passionate about? So I started thinking back and I call it the breadcrumbs, right? Life leaves clues. And if you think back to a time where you were just alive, like you felt so much energy going through you, what were you doing at that time? And really looking back and then start piecing the puzzle together, right? What advice would you give to somebody who hasn't figured it out yet? Yeah, my advice would be to relentlessly pursue it. You know, that that would be, and, and how do you do that, right? That sounds very vague. Uh, some simple ways is to volunteer. You know, get involved with organizations in your own community. Do research on who is taking on different issues, even if you don't know anything about them yet. Um, you know, offer to go in on a Saturday and, and spend four hours learning about what this issue is. See if it piques your interest even more. And makes you want to come back mm-hmm. um, and, and talk to different mentors or people in different careers that maybe you potentially could you see yourself in um you know having those mentors you know it accelerates it's a fast track to learning what something's all about they're going to give you an education on something that some people study for years but they're going to be able to uh you know cut out you know all the the unimportant things around that and give you get you straight to the point um and then i'd say the most important thing which is a work in progress. We all probably are working on this on a daily basis, but it's the fact that we have an inner self and we have an outer self, right? And that inner self is that voice that that we communicate with on a daily basis uh, in our mind that, that we're figuring out who we are as people. And then you have your outer self, which is how the world perceives you, right? And how you believe mm. that the world perceives you. Um, and we have to listen to our inner self. You know, we have to uh, cut all that out, all the judgment, um, and listen to where our heart is is guiding us, right? Where our soul is guiding us. Um, and once you can become honest with yourself in that way, which again, I, I, I speak about it and and uh, I work on it on, on a daily basis. Um, it's not something that by any means I'm an expert or have figured out. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to you have to be able to be your true self to be able to shine um, and and share that mission and that purpose with the world. There's tremendous power in being authentic more today than ever before, right? People don't like inauthentic people and it doesn't have to be perfect and it could look messy sometimes, but being authentic, there's tremendous value in that, not only in your own peace of mind, but you know, people are attracted to that. Now you have had uh, some some mentors in your life. And I was talking to Tom Krusek, the, the president of Columbus. One of the things that we talked about was having a personal board of advisors. And for other you know individuals who aren't uh, entrepreneurs, that may seem foreign, but having a board, kind of a board, but a group of trusted mentors that, you know, have been down a certain road that could advise you, that can give you, you know, a, a hand up, not a handout is, is incredibly important. Who were your mentors 
growing up and who are they today still? Yeah, I've, I've been blessed with a lot of mentors. Um, you know, I've been an entrepreneur since a young age. You know, I've always been curious. I've always been creative, wanting to learn. Um, it starts at home with my parents, you know, who have been great mentors for me. Um, you know, I come from a Cuban background. My four grandparents and my mom immigrated from Cuba to Miami and basically started from scratch, you know. So you see a lot of the traditional Hispanic kind of lessons that are learned. And, you know, you got to work for what you got. You know, you got to be you got to love your family, support your family, be loyal. Um, but, yeah, nothing's ever given. You know, you got to earn it. Mm -hmm. And um, seeing that firsthand from my parents who worked so hard to provide me and my sisters um, with everything that we've been blessed to have, um, you know, is definitely a huge inspiration. Um, now, professionally, I've you know, in this space, in the nonprofit sector, it's allowed me to meet a lot of people. Um, Albert Perez is is one of my biggest mentors. Uh, he owns a company called Continental Fresh. He's the founder of Life Omissions. And um, he basically showed me that service doesn't have to be a drag, you know, that it shouldn't be a punishment for criminals. <laughs> you know, we're requiring people to do community service. Like, why why do does it have to be so antagonistic? Why can't it be something where where we enjoy it, where we really find that purpose. And, and, you know, it's hard to put that energy into words, but we all, we have all served someone or been there for a friend at a time and know um, that feeling that, that comes inside of you. Um, how do we connect these two? How do we make service fun? How do we reinvent the way people see community service? Um, and that has kind of been always a, a guiding light for me at Blue Missions. You know, we focus on marketing, on branding, on storytelling, because, that's how you connect with people and make those human connections that last. So let's go back real quick to those game changing moments. You said that at 16, there was one, but there was a few others. Tell me about those. Yeah. So I'd say that the next game changing moment was when I moved to the Dominican Republic for eight months. Uh, you know, I, I learned a ton and one of my greatest mentors, Jose Miguel, uh, was my boss at the time, uh, you know, taught me how to serve from within, from the heart and, uh, it doesn't matter who you're, whether you're sitting in a room with a CEO or whether you're sitting in a room with a mother of five children who doesn't have clean water. Uh, you give that person the same exact attention and respect um, and care and love that you would to anyone. Um, so th those were key moments. And I'd say in year three of Blue Missions in 2012, uh, we were doing our third project. Um, it was for a water project in the community of Carrasco. Only about 35 families, uh, rice country in the Dominican Republic, uh, Rio San Juan, Nagua area. So very hot, very flat. Um, and I say that because we need altitude for our project. Right. Yeah. So you have to go pretty far to find a fresh water source at a higher altitude than this community. Um, it was a very physically demanding project. It was a very costly project from a financial investment standpoint. Um, but it was also the first time I had got in my core group of friends, you know, people who maybe said, hey, it's cool what you're doing over there, but it's not for me. They finally said yes. And and we had a group of 30 people in that town as volunteers, most of them who I had known my entire life. Um, and it wow. was it's kind of like watching your favorite movie. Right. And, and you want to watch yeah. it again and you're watching it with some friends who haven't seen it. And you're kind of looking over to see if they're laughing at the, the same thing <laughs> you laugh at or you know, they're impacted the same way you are. Yeah. Um, you know, I got to watch that movie firsthand and see the impact that, that our work was having both in the community 
and here back at home. Um, and to close that project, um, there was a group of kids from the community, about seven or eight of them, who every morning they were at our door before, you know, we woke up and they would walk us to where we would sleep at night, um, you know, to make sure we got in okay. And they were between the ages of seven and 13. Wow. And they would carry pipe with us. They would mix cement with us. They would play games with us after lunch. You know, they became a part of our family there. And before we left, uh, the daughter of the president of the water committee, her name is Violeni, uh, she walked up to me and in Spanish, she said, thank you for giving me the opportunity of pursuing my dream of becoming a lawyer. And wow. she was 10 years old at the time. And I remember thinking, this can't be real. You know, this is the type of stuff that you hear on a podcast or you hear right. or you in a movie or like this can't, this couldn't have just really happened. Um, but that was when the light switched and when blue became a passion, when it went from being a passion project to a vehicle for good and, and a way to impact more lives. Um, and, and yeah, it's just amazing. The relationships, you know, that's one story of many of, of people that I have met in these towns who I've become close to. And, um, you know, I'm happy to say today she is on a full ride at a private university in the Dominican Republic, pursuing her dream of becoming a lawyer. Wow. And, um, you know, I get emotional talking about it. Because I'm getting chills right now. Just getting goosebumps thinking about that. Because it's real, you know, yeah. and, and, and once it becomes real and I tell our volunteers, there's there's a difference between learning about it in the classroom and having a friend that's dealing with it each and every day. And when you go there on a blue mission trip and you serve, you become friends with the locals and you realize you went in thinking these people are so different than me. And you leave saying these people are exactly like me and they dream, they aspire, uh, they're passionate about things. They love, they cry, they have issues with their friends um, and they're exactly like me. And uh, all they need is a chance and for people to believe in them and empower them. And to have something just so basic like clean water, um, you know, it could be that missing piece to allow them to realize that purpose. Danny Rodriguez, co-founder and president of Blue Missions. You can go to bluemissions.org. These guys are game changers. Honestly, they offer service trips, adventure treks, internships abroad. You can be a chaperone. You know, they have different programs, even for athletes. You can you can even donate your birthday, which is pretty cool. We can look into that. What's the best way to reach out to you, buddy? Yeah, you can reach out through the Blue Missions website. Follow us on Instagram at Blue Missions. Uh, we're very active on Instagram. We put out a lot of good content. We love to share stories. So, yeah, we're, we say once you're a part of the Blue family, you're in it forever. Uh, so make sure to, to reach out. You know, we're not intimidating. Uh, we'll get back to you and we'll figure out a way to help connect you with purpose. These guys are game changers. So if you found this episode inspiring, insightful, powerful, make sure to share it with a friend who needs to hear it. You could be the game changer in their life. Thank you so much, Danny. And we'll see you guys next week. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. If you loved what you heard in today's episode of Game Changers, please subscribe and rate us. The lessons and the stories in these podcasts are immensely valuable. So I invite you to share them with a friend who needs to hear it. You may end up being the game changer in their lives. <laughs>